Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible Timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 302. We're reading second book of the Maccabees, chapter 5, also Sirach 50 and 51, the conclusion the long-awaited conclusion of the book of Sirach, as well as Proverbs chapter 24, verses 17 through 20. As always, the Bible translation I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a Year reading plan, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a Year. You can also subscribe to this podcast by clicking on subscribe and receiving daily episodes and daily updates. It is day 302. <laughs> I have a sense, gosh, whenever I do the intro, it's kind of like a, kind of like a radio voice, right? And then we get like subtle into normal voice, but here it is day 302 and we're reading second Maccabees chapter five, Sirach 50 and 51 Proverbs chapter 24 verses 17 through 20. The second book of the Maccabees chapter five, Jason tries to regain control. About this time, Antiochus made his second invasion of Egypt and it happened that over all the city for almost 40 days there appeared golden-clad horsemen charging through the air in companies fully armed with lances and drawn swords. Troops of horsemen drawn up, attacks and counterattacks made on this side and on that, brandishing of shields, massing of spears, hurling of missiles, the flash of golden trappings, and armor of all sorts. Therefore, all men prayed that the apparition might prove to have been a good omen. When a false rumor arose that Antiochus was dead, Jason took no less than a thousand men and suddenly made an assault upon the city. When the troops upon the wall had been forced back and at last the city was being taken, Menelaus took refuge in the citadel. But Jason kept relentlessly slaughtering his fellow citizens, not realizing that success at the cost of one's kindred is the greatest misfortune, but imagining that he was setting up trophies of victory over enemies and not over fellow countrymen. He did not gain control of the government, however, and in the end got only disgrace from his conspiracy and fled again into the country of the Ammonites. Finally, he met a miserable end. Accused before Eratos, the ruler of the Arabs, fleeing from city to city, pursued by all men, hated as a rebel against the laws, and abhorred as the executioner of his country and his fellow citizens, he was cast ashore in Egypt. And he who had driven many from their own country into exile died in exile having embarked to go to the Lacedaemonians in hope of finding protection because of their kinship. He who had cast out many to lie unburied had no one to mourn for him. He had no funeral of any sort and no place in the tomb of his fathers. When news of what had happened reached the king, he took it to mean that Judea was in revolt, so, raging inwardly, he left Egypt and took the city by storm. And he commanded his soldiers to cut down relentlessly everyone they met and to slay those who went into the houses. Then there was killing of young and old, destruction of boys, women, and children, and slaughter of virgins and infants. Within the total of three days, 80,000 were destroyed, 40,000 in hand-to-hand fighting, and as many were sold into slavery as were slain. Pillage of the Temple Not content with this, Antiochus dared to enter the most holy temple in all the world, guided by Menelaus, who had become a traitor both to the laws and to his country. He took the holy vessels with his polluted hands and swept away with profane hands the votive offerings which other kings had made to enhance the glory and honor of the place. Antiochus was elated in spirit and did not perceive that the Lord was angered for a little while because of the sins of those who dwelt in the city, and that therefore he was disregarding the holy place. 
But if it had not happened that they were involved in many sins, this man would have been scourged and turned back from his rash act as soon as he came forward, just as Heliodorus was, whom Seleucus, the king, sent to inspect the treasury. But the Lord did not choose the nation for the sake of the holy place, but the place for the sake of the nation. Therefore, the place itself shared in the misfortunes that befell the nation and afterward participated in its benefits. And what was forsaken in the wrath of the Almighty was restored again in all its glory when the great Lord became reconciled. So Antiochus carried off 1,800 talents from the temple and hurried away to Antioch, thinking in his arrogance that he could sail on the land and walk on the sea because his mind was elated. And he left governors to afflict the people. At Jerusalem, Philip, by birth a Phrygian, and in character more barbarous than the man who appointed him. And at Gerizim, Andronicus. And besides these, Menelaus, who lorded it over his fellow citizens worse than the others did. In his malice toward the Jewish citizens, Antiochus sent Apollonius, the captain of the Mysians, with an army of 22,000 and commanded him to slay all the grown men and to sell the women and boys as slaves. When this man arrived in Jerusalem, he pretended to be peaceably disposed and waited until the holy Sabbath day. Then, finding the Jews not at work, he ordered his men to parade under arms. He put to the sword all those who came out to see them, then rushed into the city with his armed men and killed great numbers of people. But Judas Maccabeus, with about nine others, got away to the wilderness and kept himself and his companions alive in the mountains as wild animals do. They continued to live on what grew wild so that they might not share in the defilement. The Book of Sirach, Chapter 50 Simon, Son of Onias, A Benediction, and an Epilogue the leader of his brethren and the pride of his people was Simon, the high priest, son of Onias, who in his life repaired the house and in his time fortified the temple. He laid the foundations for the high double walls, the high retaining walls for the temple enclosure. In his days, a cistern for water was quarried out, a reservoir like the sea in circumference. He considered how to save his people from ruin and fortified the city to withstand a siege. How glorious he was when the people gathered around him as he came out of the inner sanctuary. Like the morning star among the clouds, like the moon when it is full, like the sun shining upon the temple of the Most High, and like the rainbow gleaming in glorious clouds, like roses in the days of the first fruits, like lilies by a spring of water, like a green shoot on Lebanon on a summer day, like fire and incense in the censer, like a vessel of hammered gold adorned with all kinds of precious stones like an olive tree putting forth its fruit, like a cypress towering in the clouds. When he put on his glorious robe and clothed himself with superb perfection and went up to the holy altar, he made the court of the sanctuary glorious. And when he received the portions from the hands of the priests, as he stood by the hearth of the altar with a garland of brethren around him, he was like a young cedar on Lebanon. And they surrounded him like the trunks of palm trees, all the sons of Aaron in their splendor, with the Lord's offering in their hands before the whole congregation of Israel. Finishing the service at the altars and arranging the offering to the Most High, the Almighty, he reached out his hand to the cup and poured a libation of the blood of the grape. He poured it out at the foot of the altar, a pleasing odor to the Most High, the King of all. Then the sons of Aaron shouted, they sounded the trumpets of hammered work. They made a great noise to be heard for remembrance before the Most High. Then all the people together made haste and fell to the ground upon their faces to worship their Lord, the Almighty God Most High. And the singers praised Him with their voices in sweet and full-toned melody. 
And the people besought the Lord Most High in prayer before him who is merciful, till the order of worship of the Lord was ended, so they completed his service. Then Simon came down and lifted up his hands over the whole congregation of the sons of Israel to pronounce the blessing of the Lord with his lips and to glory in his name. And they bowed down in worship a second time to receive the blessing from the Most High. And now, bless the God of all who in every way does great things, who exalts our days from birth and deals with us according to his mercy. May he give us gladness of heart and grant that peace may be in our days in Israel, as in the days of old, that Israel may believe that the God of mercy is with us to deliver us in our days. With two nations, my soul is vexed, and the third is no nation. Those who live on Mount Sire and the Philistines and the foolish people that dwell in Shechem, Instruction in understanding and knowledge I have written in this book, Jesus, the son of Sirach, son of Eleazar of Jerusalem, who out of his heart poured forth wisdom, blessed is he who concerns himself with these things, and he who lays them to heart will become wise. For if he does them, he will be strong for all things, for the light of the Lord is his path. Chapter 51. The Search for Wisdom I will give thanks to you, O Lord and King and will praise you as God my Savior. I give thanks to your name, for you have been my protector and helper, and have delivered my body from destruction and from the snare of a slanderous tongue, from lips that utter lies. Before those who stood by, you were my helper and delivered me. In the greatness of your mercy and of your name, from the gnashings of teeth about to devour me, from the hand of those who sought my life, from the many afflictions that I endured, from choking fire on every side, and from the midst of the fire which I did not kindle, from the depths of the belly of Hades, from an unclean tongue and lying words, the slander of an unrighteous tongue to the king. My soul drew near to death, and my life was very near to Hades beneath. They surrounded me on every side, and there was no one to help me. I looked for the assistance of men, and there was none. Then I remembered your mercy, O Lord, and your work from of old that you deliver those who wait for you and save them from the hand of their enemies. And I sent up my supplication from the earth and prayed for deliverance from death. I appealed to the Lord, the Father of my Lord, not to forsake me in the days of affliction, at the time when there is no help against the proud. I will praise your name continually and will sing praise with thanksgiving. My prayer was heard, for you saved me from destruction and rescued me from an evil plight. Therefore, I will give thanks to you and praise you, and I will bless the name of the Lord. While I was still young, before I went on my travels, I sought wisdom openly in my prayer. Before the temple, I asked for her, and I will search for her to the last. From blossom to ripening grape, my heart delighted in her. My foot entered upon the straight path. From my youth, I followed her steps. I inclined my ear a little and received her, and I found for myself much instruction. I made progress therein. To him who gives wisdom, I will give glory. For I resolved to live according to wisdom, and I was zealous for the good, and I shall never be put to shame. My soul grappled with wisdom, and in my conduct I was strict. I spread out my hands to the heavens and lamented my ignorance of her. I directed my soul to her, and through purification I found her. I gained understanding with her from the first, therefore I will not be forsaken." My heart was stirred to seek her. Therefore, I have gained a good possession. The Lord gave me a tongue as my reward, and I will praise him with it. Draw near to me, you who are untaught, and lodge in my school. Why do you say you are lacking in these things, and why are your souls very thirsty? 
I opened my mouth and said, Get these things for yourselves without money. Put your neck under the yoke and let your souls receive instruction. It is to be found close by. See with your eyes that I have labored little and found for myself much rest. Get instruction with a large sum of silver and you will gain by it much gold. May your soul rejoice in his mercy and may you not be put to shame when you praise him. Do your work before the appointed time and in God's time he will give you your reward. The Book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verses 17 through 20. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased, and turn away his anger from him. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked. For the evil man has no future, the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Father in heaven, we give you praise. Thank you so much. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for your grace today. Thank you for yourself today. God, um, as you continue to walk with us through the story of the people of Israel during this time of this oppression and this time of battle, this time of witness and this time of warring, we ask that you please help us to know when to fight, help us to know when to flee, help us to know not just when you're calling us to be faithful. You're always calling us to be faithful. Help us to know how to be faithful. Are we faithful in fighting? Are we faithful in fleeing? Are we faithful in, in warring? Are we faithful in witnessing? No matter what you call us to God, we ask that you please help us be faithful. You are faithful. You are true. Help us to be like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to get to that in just one second. Just that, that word. Actually, let's start. Let's start here. In Maccabees chapter 2. Sorry. 2 Maccabees chapter 5. <laughs> We have a story that we've heard before. We just heard it from a different perspective. We heard the story of those Jason rising to power. We have the story of him falling from power. We have Antiochus. And now not only Antiochus existing, but here, beginning with verse 15, we have the pillage of the temple. And, you know, it's so interesting how, um, how it, the perspective in 1 Maccabees of the pillaging of the temple was described. And here in 2 Maccabees, how the pillaging of the temple is described. Uh, because in this second description, yes, it's awful. It's horrible. And yet at the same time, there is this sense of God's involved in this. Remember how um, in, earlier in the Old Testament, when the people of God experienced pain, when they experienced exile, when they experienced loss and destruction, when they, when they experienced suffering, they said, yes, this is, this is because we were unfaithful. And so this is the Lord God loving us. This is the Lord God teaching us. This is the Lord God bringing us back. Here we have this again in chapter 5. We have the people of Israel looking at this and saying, yes, the reason why this happened is because we have been faithless, because we have done wrong. But not only is that just then, and not only are they saying, therefore, what's happening to us right now is just, they said, what's happening to us is limited. <laughs> it's not only happening because God is just and he needs to bring us back to himself, but this is also limited. This will not be how it ends because in this, think about this. This is amazing. At the end here of this, you know, kind of the Jewish period. And before we launch into the fulfillment of Judaism, which is Christianity, here are the people of God, people of Israel, the chosen people saying, we've learned. Essentially, in so many ways, we get it. Not only is this punishment upon us just, but this punishment upon us is finite. It is oriented towards bringing us back. When we come back, then the Lord will restore everything. And that's just, it's remarkable, remarkable. And then we also get introduced in this chapter, at the very end of chapter five, get introduced to Judas Maccabeus. 
and the nine others who will run away. Now, what we're going to see now, we're going to, of course, we're going to see Judas Maccabeus and the battling and the other people fighting for the independence of Israel and for the glory and the holiness of the temple. But in the next couple of chapters, the next couple of days, in fact, we're going to see the witness of the martyrs, these Jewish martyrs who um, are heroic, and there's no other word for it. They're heroic, they're faithful, they're incredible. And so the next couple of days, I just... <laughs> invite you come back because it's going to be a gift. We concluded Sirach, which was just a gift. Hopefully that your first journey through the book of Sirach was filled with um, enlightenment, you know, essentially that, that sense of wisdom uh, at the desire. And if nothing else, if you can't remember a single thing from the book of Sirach, remember this, we're going to be reminded of it tomorrow when we launch into the book of wisdom. And that thing is the pursuit of wisdom. The pursuit of wisdom is in so many ways, I don't want to say the goal of life, because obviously the goal is the pursuit of the Lord himself, the having communion with God himself. But the pursuit of wisdom being the way, the way that we're called to live, the way that we're called to um, belong to him is just the echo of the entire book of Sirach, as well as the next book we're going to talk about, the book of wisdom, which is also marked by um, not just living wisely when it comes to you know dealing with other people, but also when it comes to dealing with the Lord, because um, our hearts are idol-making factories. And so the Book of Wisdom tomorrow and following are going to talk about how do we become wise when it comes to getting rid of idols and turning towards the true and living God. Now, last little note, and it's from the Book of Proverbs. I'm sorry for going on and on here, but in the Book of Proverbs, chapter 24, we heard that today, verse 17 and 18, there is this line, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. You know, it's so interesting. Why would God in his word, why would he have to include that word for us? I think the answer is kind of obvious because we have a temptation, a tendency to rejoice when our enemies fall. It's, it's a German word called schadenfreude, right? That, that pleasure we take in seeing other people get hurt, uh, go in disgrace. Um, yeah, when we see our enemies fall. There is a, a brokenness in our hearts that of course we want justice. Yes, that's so important. But what is it that takes joy in someone else's pain? Is this brokenness in our hearts that's again, it's been called schadenfreude and is prohibited in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 17 and 18. And so my prayer today is, is not only to be wise, right? Not only to know when to be faithful and um, know when to stand strong, know when to flee, know when to fight, but also know when to witness, but also is this call to say, okay, Lord, in my heart, there's these broken parts, these broken pieces that um, I rejoice definitely when my friends, when the people I love succeed, uh, but also, gosh, Lord, there's this thing in me that, that rejoices when my enemies fail, when the people that I am annoyed by experience some kind of fall, and I don't want that to be there. So Lord, heal it. There's so much healing that God offers and there's so much healing that we need. And so we need to pray for each other. Um, so I am praying for you. Please, please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless. Thank you.